for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took to him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. Um, I'm a pastor here at Zao, and uh, I have a confession to make to you. I've been wearing this outfit for eight days. (laughs) I've been wearing this same outfit for eight days. No lie, I promise I washed it several times um, in in the midst of that. But uh, I've been doing this really weird thing. I've been wearing the same outfit for eight days as a part of an ongoing fast. Uh, A seven-week interruption into my life, trying to make room for God, connect with God, to shake things up, do things differently, and find out how I can more deeply and in surprising ways connect to God in what shakes out. And for me, that included clothing. I'll get into the details of that a little bit later, but especially for those of you who saw me at any point this week in this exact outfit, I wanted to clarify, yes, I know, I've been wearing this outfit for eight days. So fasting, including this clothing fast, is one of many ways to connect to God that's been tried and tested throughout generations and millennia called spiritual practices. Sometimes they're also called spiritual exercises or spiritual disciplines. This series is called Discipline for that reason. We often bring so much intention to other parts of our life But we want to invite one another this season, at the beginning of this year, to bring that intention, that discipline, that practice to our spirituality, to our relationship with God, ourselves, and one another. You see, we have really weird expectations about spiritual wellness, that we can just sort of snap our fingers and do it. So we have a lot of platitudes, these like hallmarky type sayings that we tell ourselves, you know, like, live in the moment, right? or let go and let God, or dance like no one is watching, right? Even simpler things like be positive. Has anybody ever set a goal or a resolution to just be more positive? All right, just me and Sean. (laughs) All the rest of y'all are positive enough. But anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody want to shout out? What are these things that we tell ourselves that are like that? I know y'all have them. All right, we're feeling shy today, that's fine. <laughs> but like even there was, um, uh, there was this, this thing a while back. I'm, one of the, I'm an old, so I remember it. Some of you might not. Um, but bracelets, there were these bracelets that said WW. Yeah, all right, y'all were there. Okay, cool. I'm not an old yet. 
So what did that stand for? It was, what would Jesus do? You all are on point when you can do it together. <laughs> That's the whole idea here at church. <laughs> so yeah, so what would Jesus do? Was it, people would wear these bracelets and they'd like wear it. You know, sometimes it became like a cool fad thing to do, but the, the heart of it was like this genuine, like I wanna be like Jesus. I want to be a better person. I want to, when, when I'm confronted with difficult things, I want to consider, what would Jesus do? What would God have me do? And I want that to drive my decision making. And I feel like that's a really beautiful impulse. And it's also the same as like getting a bracelet that says, climb Mount Everest. <laughs> Or like more, more reasonably, run a marathon, right? Lick your own elbow. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't aim for these things just because they're lofty goals. They're not impossible goals. Well, the elbow thing might. I'm still unclear on that. But like maybe if you've got a double joint, I don't know. But for most of these things, it's really difficult because we tell ourselves, oh, just do it. Just be more positive. Just be like Jesus. Be kinder. Be gentler this year. This year in 2019, I want to be more present. I want to live in the moment. I want to let go. But I think that one of the reasons that it, we can get away with this is because we forget that spirituality is much like physical demands. That if we told ourselves, run a marathon, we wouldn't just say, in 2019, I'm going to run a marathon, and then expect ourselves to run a marathon immediately. We would practice. We would train. It would require exercise and discipline. And so there are folks who have been reflecting on this in spiritual ways and saying like, hey, why is it that we expect ourselves to try to be spiritual instead of training ourselves to be spiritual? Enter spiritual practices. Practice, exercise, discipline. These things, though they may sound daunting, are actually the easier path the easier, gentler path towards becoming a more whole, more spiritual person. It's not expecting yourself to wake up one morning and run a marathon or wake up one morning and be like Jesus. Good Lord, that's insane. That's, a, that's an impossible task. We set ourselves up for failure when we just say, do better. And so, luckily, we are not alone on this planet, and we have not been alone in this struggle for spiritual depth our entire existence. There have been people who have come before us, who have practiced, who have learned, who have said, how do we train ourselves to be whole? How do we train ourselves to attend to God? If we say, what would Jesus do, and expect ourselves to be able to replicate that in moments of stress or conflict, then we're going to end up feeling self-defeated. But if we ask ourselves, what did Jesus do on an ongoing, regular basis to prepare himself for those difficult moments, we come up with a very different answer. It wasn't just be awesome. It was practice. You want to act like Jesus under conflict or stress? You want to be the most calm, gentle, and, uh, and kind version of yourself? then yeah, do what Jesus did. Engage in spiritual disciplines, practices, training. 
And so throughout the scriptures, um, as Emily noted, that's where we begin at Zao with everything. We go to the scriptures and we see the person, the life, the teachings of Jesus, and we try to understand them and what that means for us now. And one of the things that often is easy to overlook or glaze over is how much time Jesus took to step away. It wasn't all healing and speeches and miracles. In fact, a lot of it over and over again says, and Jesus went away to pray. A lot of it involves Jesus taking time out, that ongoing practice, and he was God. So if God needs to practice about this, you can bet that we do too. So fasting is one of them. We're gonna talk about that today. Prayer is the other thing that we see a lot of um, in Jesus' own practice, meditation, immersion in scripture. We see Jesus knowing his scripture, meditating on the scripture, growing up in it and ruminating on it, discussing it, those kinds of things. And when we bring intention to the way that we train ourselves spiritually, nourish ourselves spiritually, then instead of keeling over a few miles into our marathon, feeling like a failure and in pain, we build up our ability to be spiritually grounded, to receive the love of God, to hear the word of God for our lives, and to pour out that same love into the world around us. So in this series, for the next couple of months, we're gonna focus on what those practices are or can be. This will not be exhaustive. There are a thousand different ways to do it. Um, there are many practices that you can have. And as you kind of watch, if, if any of you follow us on Facebook, we're going to be posting periodically just different ideas of spiritual practices that you could try on and experiment with. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all situation. But we're going to focus on four over the next couple of months. Fasting, which is abstaining from certain things. Prayer, which is building time in to be with God. Um, scripture, we're calling it Lectio Divina, read your Bible. It's, it's uh, engaging in new and different ways with the Bible so that it can actually change us and transform us. And then actually we are going to add another one, um, which is confession and absolution. Now if those sound like big scary churchy words, it's cool. It's not so bad. Um, we're not actually gonna be focusing on guilt. In fact, we're gonna be focusing on forgiveness. That's the absolution part. And so it's a practice, a practice of being honest with ourselves and God so that we can feel cleansed, forgiven, made whole, and release the weight of those burdens. And so those are four types of spiritual practices, fasting, prayer, reading scripture, and confession and forgiveness that we're gonna spend time on the next couple of months. So fasting, let's start there. Fasting is typically eliminating something from your life. Traditionally, that's food, sometimes even food and water. Fasting is about stripping down, stripping down to the basics, maybe even beneath the basics, right? We tend to think of food as a pretty basic necessity. But even down beneath that and discovering the basis of our true needs, the anchor of our source in life, what it is that we need and rely on, and allowing ourselves to be made whole. Now, when people think of fasting, first of all, show of hands, have people here heard of fasting? Yes? Okay, so some of us, not all of us, but some of us have heard of fasting, a bunch of us. Um, fasting, what do we think of? Do we think fasting is like super fun? 
a lone yes coming from a crowd of no. Yeah, fasting, we associate it with like deprivation, right? Anybody have like just straight up negative associations with fasting? Like, fine, that's cool for other people, but like not for me. Um, uh, enough murmuring to say that that's a real experience in this crowd. And so I want to honor that and say that that's, that's real and fasting can become a really twisted thing. That's why even though Jesus um, did it and talked about it and talked about it as though we should absolutely be doing it, there are actually a number of places in the Bible that critique the ways that it can go wrong. Um, and so just know that Jesus too saw that it can be used to hurt people and that bad negative experience of fasting, if it hurt you, or if you um, know that it would hurt you, that that's not really what, what Jesus is asking you to do. God never invites you to self-harm. Fasting is about self-limits. And these self-imposed limits, this self-denial, is something that can actually be really freeing if it's done in short periods of time. But I want to acknowledge a couple circumstances under which we shouldn't fast. We shouldn't fast if it will hurt us, right? And so um, I'm, I'm gonna give examples based on food. Um, so if it'll physically harm you, um, fasting is a, is a, gets to our basic necessity. So if you um, go without food, that can have an impact on you. Now, Jesus did it for 40 days. Um, it was regular practice then for human beings, full human beings, no divinity at all, um, to go without food for 40 days. Fasting from food is actually something that we can do more than we think of, and our culture likes to tell us that like, we absolutely have no capacity to go without food, but we can under the right circumstances, if we're healthy, um, if it's not going to harm us. And so if the fast is going to harm you in some way, for instance, if you're physically ill and you're thinking about fasting from food, that's the wrong circumstance within which to fast. Um, a second circumstance in which you don't fast is, fasting is about self-denial and self-limitations. If you are in a, uh, if, if in your life you are already being denied systemically or in your life these basic needs, Putting additional limits on yourself, again, is not, is not what we're asking you to do here. So, again, with food, if you don't always know where your next meal is coming from, then fasting from food might not be the right kind of fast for you. Um, and finally, if you have a history of taking that denial to a destructive place, a self-harming place, a self-punishing place, you shouldn't do it. So again, the example with food, if you have a history of disordered eating or denying yourself food when you needed it, fasting from food is not the right way to go. So with all of those caveats, and notice the theme here, right, is that fasting should be for the flourishing of your well-being. It should make you more whole, not less. And so if you feel like you fit into any of those categories, know that I'm not asking you to do something that would hurt you, and God would never ask you to do something that would harm your sense of self. But God is inviting us to deny ourselves something. And that can be food. And it can be many, many other things. Fasting is all about intentions, and those intentions end up having tangible effects on us. So my clothing fast, um, I had never really thought of engaging clothing in a fast before. That's just not how I had ever thought of it. But I'm doing um, a seven-week fast with a friend. And it's this whole like seven, seven, seven theme, so you'll hear that come up a lot. But over the course of seven weeks, you have seven different types of fasting that you engage in, um, usually for seven days at a time. 
And there, it's over a lot of different categories. So our first week was food. We um, pared down, so sometimes you can eliminate altogether, other times you just really restrict um, the ways that you engage in certain parts of your life. And so, uh, so my friend and I eliminated our diets down to seven foods, and we ate those same seven foods for a whole week, and it was super boring. <laughs> but we weren't hungry, right? But we were bored. And, and so uh, we created this disruption in our lives. Our lives are so centered around food. So we said, we're going to get all the food that we need uh, and all the nourishment we need from these seven foods for a week, and it'll be fine, but it'll be boring. So what do we do with that boredom? What do we do with that longing for something else? What do we do? Well, we notice it, first of all. I learned that week how much I expect food to be an exciting part of my life. I learned that I have moved from this place of food as sustenance to food as entertainment, food as something to do, food as a way to connect to people. And that really shifted. Now, this wasn't something I was doing forever. The goal of that fast wasn't to only eat seven foods for the rest of my life, but it was to disrupt my relationship to something in my life for a small amount of time and create room for observation. And then to take that observation to community and to God. So my friend Jody and I talked about it. She had come off of uh, a time where she had had a really restrictive diet um, because of uh, some health problems. And she went you know, down to these seven foods and it was really frustrating for her. And it ended up teaching her totally different things about her relationship to food and to God and uncovering some of her feelings about all of that. So we took that to one another and we discussed. And then we took it to God. I started realizing that one of the things that comes up for me anytime I engage in self-denial or anytime I fast is that I'm not always sure God will provide for me. I want to provide for me. I want to make sure my plans are rock solid because I'm not always sure where God is in that. And that means that I have a tendency to overestimate and to try and hoard. I throw away food in my fridge every week because I want to make sure that we have something for meals all throughout the week. And I usually end up with too much that ends up not getting used. Which, like, yeah, that's a problem with consumption and waste. And also, that's a spiritual problem that I have in my life of scarcity, of saying, I want to make sure that I never feel need. I want to make sure that we always have something. And that scarcity that leads to this overaccumulation is a kind of spiritual sickness that I experience. And you can bet it's, it, it's reflected in more than just my fridge. And it comes from times of not having enough. It comes from times of not being sure. It comes from all these sensible places, but it still needs to be healed. And so I take that to God. One of the things that I learned that week was that I wanted to anchor my fast a little bit. And so I started praying in the morning, Lord, give me today my daily bread. It's an excerpt from a larger prayer. You may know the Lord's Prayer, but it's one that I don't usually pray in isolation. And it's a prayer that was particularly meaningful to me because I thought, oh, wow, I'm usually thinking about my weekly bread or my yearly bread or my 15-year plan bread. <laughs> but we're not taught to ask for that, are we? We're taught to ask for our daily bread. There's a story of God's people wandering in the desert, and they're there for a long time. They end up there for 40 years. But God doesn't like equip them with 40 years worth of uh, supplies. God says, hey, I've got you. 
when you wake up in the morning, there will be this weird, like, dew-like substance on the ground, and you're going to gather it up and make it into food. And they were like, okay, okay. So they did that, and they, like, gathered it up, and they took it, and they wanted to, like, make it into things, and they're like, well, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't, you know, we're still wandering in the desert, so better hang on to that stuff. And overnight, it would rot. And the next morning, it would be there again, and they would gather it up. And if they tried to keep it, it would rot over and over and over again for 40 years. The only exception was that the day before Sabbath, when they weren't supposed to prepare food, there was twice as much. And they gathered it, and it wouldn't rot overnight. It would last them through the end of the Sabbath. But if they tried to keep it beyond that, that wasn't part of the deal. God tells us that God will provide for us day in, day out, and yet... We have a very difficult time trusting in that. For me, I see myself hoarding things and I see them going bad, sometimes literally in my you know, vegetable crisper, but like also in my spirit. How many times have you thought, well, I don't need this, but I could need it later, so I might as well hang on to it? And how many times has that, in some way, some spiritually true way, how many times has that thing rotted? It's a pattern. It's a human pattern. And this is one of the ways that fasting can be freeing. It allows us to detach from that, to look at our need for accumulation, to look at our need for consumption and say, where is that coming from? Is this actually an issue of scarcity? It might be. Often it's also related to trust. And our accumulation might come from different places. Like I said, that self-denial should be a choice And it shouldn't be building on a limitation that's already imposed on you. So again, if you have real scarcity in your life, if you're not always sure where your groceries are coming, know that I'm not talking about your groceries, but there's something else in your life because you're a human being and it's what we do. So what are the things? What are the things that are holding you captive? The other examples in this fast, the things that I haven't done yet but I'm preparing for already, there's a week uh, of fasting from possessions. And so you're not supposed to gather anything new and you're supposed to give away seven things every day. There's a week of fasting from media. In that seven theme, you're supposed to limit your media intake to seven sources, and that is actually remarkably hard. Can you consider what it would be like to fast from social media, from Facebook or Instagram or Twitter? Sometimes this break just allows us to have new room and to say, how? much time am I giving to Instagram? And when you disrupt that, you can take that time for a limited, you know, period, right? Let's say you fast from Instagram for two weeks and you say, the amount of time I would spend on Instagram, I'm going to carve that out to spend with God. These are time-limited ways to disrupt our normal way of being and invite God in to move and to change us, to shape us, to grow us. But you might discover other things in there you might discover that Instagram has been really toxic for you. And then you can make new choices based on that. I actually found out about my celiac disease through fasting. See, I used to be really, really good at fasting. A long time ago, I had lots of health problems. Um, And I used to fast from food uh, regularly as a spiritual practice, especially during Lent, which is the 40-day period that we prepare for Easter. And I did that in all kinds of different ways, but one of my favorite ways was juice fasting. 
Um, and I would juice fast for a week or um, one season. I actually um, juice fasted for almost 40 days. And then, um, then during Holy Week, that final week, I just drank water. And there were people around me who were like, what is your deal? How can you do that? This is terrible. And I was always like, I feel great. (laughs) And it was through that process that I discovered that I actually have a medical condition that means that that wheat and gluten, wheat, barley, and, and those kinds of things actually attack, well, my body attacks itself when I ingest them. And so I, for my entire life, had been eating poison. And it was so toxic to me that eliminating food almost altogether made me feel better. And so through that process of fasting, I discovered, now it took a lot of other investigation to figure out that was the thing. Once I eliminated that from my diet, fasting from food in general became a lot harder because I was like, food is great. (laughs) I feel wonderful when I eat. And this is, this is one of the things that fasting does, right? Whether it's with food or something else, it disrupts you. It brings a new uh, perspective on your life and it allows you to take that, like I said, first to community, to check in with people, and then to God and to say, what is, what is here? What is happening here? As I said, intention is everything when you're doing spiritual fasting. There are lots of reasons you could do any of this. There are lots of reasons that you could decide to go on a juice fast. But if you decide to detox on a juice fast for your physical health and have no intention to bring it to God, it's not going to serve you as a spiritual practice. There are lots of reasons to, uh, you know, like even the clothing thing, right? I had heard of that before. There are lots of so-called geniuses who only have one outfit on all the time. Steve Jobs did it for branding because he was like, You know, you will think of me in a turtleneck always. (laughs) Fashion designers do it so that they can like, you know, well, I'm not the real show. The real show is on my models. There are lots of reasons that you could do it. And so the practice itself is actually not particularly useful on its own. The practice invites reflection. And in that way, almost any practice, almost anything that is Uh, intentional, can become a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline. And so, when when you're approaching this time together as a community at Zao, I want you to consider how doing something that might be out of the norm could bring you in relationship with God. Again, this removes that emphasis on denial in a destructive way and says, hey, how can I make room The reason that we're starting with fasting is because adding things in like prayer, adding things in like scripture, adding things in like confession and forgiveness, sometimes that can just feel like more on top of more on top of more on top of more. So we start with fasting to make room. What are the ways that you can make room for God? I'm not asking you to do this forever. I'm asking you to do this this week or if you're feeling really ambitious for the next two weeks between now and when we gather again to talk about prayer. There is a reason that Jesus started his ministry by going into the desert and fasting from food for 40 days. There's an incredible clarity that you get when you eliminate the basics of your daily life and you take that time to work on your relationship with God. 
Now for Jesus, it, it brought him into a deep space of prayer. He fasted from basically everything, right? He was like, I'm out in the desert for 40 days. So not only was he not eating, he definitely was on Instagram. Jesus isolated entirely to say, I'm going to be alone with God for 40 days in the midst of the desert, which is like nature's deprivation chamber, and, and just spend that time seeking God. I'm going to create all of this room. I'm going to create 40 days worth of room for God. And again, going back to our, what are our associations with fasting? Is it like easy or fun? Not so much, because who did show up for that? The devil. Thanks, man. And that's, you know, that's an important understanding, right? When we create room for God, we're going to sort of expose some of these undercurrents. The things that are difficult for us in our day-to-day lives that we sort of paper over with whatever habits we have, good, bad, and different. When we take those habits away, the undercurrent is exposed. And so in this beautiful story we have of Jesus in the desert, they highlight, the, the authors highlight um, a couple of different things. The story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And all three of those authors um, tell it more or less the same way, that Jesus goes into the desert, creates this space for God, and is tempted in three ways. The first is around food. The devil's like, you're hungry, man. You can just change this rock into bread. Do it. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm real hungry. That is true. But I know that that's actually not what I need right now. And this is one of the really beautiful things about fasting. I don't think it's the most important thing, um, but it is what a lot of people emphasize first and foremost, is that fasting, especially from food, creates a sense of desire in us. It creates hunger, like literal hunger in us, and gives us an opportunity to say, hey, I feel this hunger for food, and I know that food would satisfy it in this surface way, but this hunger is actually like a spiritual analogy for my hunger for Jesus, my hunger for God, my hunger for spiritual wholeness that I ignore and paper over with all sorts of other things. And so you can feel that hunger and connect to it, and it connects you to your true need. And this is what Jesus is responding to. He says, yes, I know on the surface it looks like I need bread, but more than that, I need God. More than I even need the food that I am desperate for, I need God. I need healing, I need wholeness, I need that connection to love. And this is actually true for us. And it's not just us as human beings. Um, there was an experiment they did a long time ago with baby monkeys. There were, um, there were baby monkeys that were in observation and there were a couple of different things going on, but one of the choices that these baby monkeys had was a fake, cuddly, snuggly parent monkey and a bare wire monkey that had food. And over and over again, these baby monkeys would forego their food to have that comfort, that warmth of the cuddling parent. We actually do need the love of God and the love of one another more than we need food, more than we need that dopamine rush that we, we get when we see we got a few likes on social media. And sometimes, just taking a break from those things can actually connect us to that. 
can remind us of that, especially when we come in with a choice, with an intention of saying, I want to know what I truly need. And so that's the first thing that Jesus does out there. He says, I don't actually need this bread as much as I need the love of God. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. The devil goes on and says, you know, test God, jump off this ledge. Sometimes we do that too, where we expect God, well, if God really loves me, X, Y, or Z thing will happen. Jesus steps out of that too and says, hey, good, bad, otherwise might happen to me, but that's actually not what I'm here for, to test God's love. I want to connect to God's love. And finally, the devil tempts Jesus with power and says, hey, just worship me and I'll make you king over all these cities. What are the temptations for you? If you were to strip down, strip down away all of the things that you want, all of the things you think you need, where would you be most vulnerable to temptation? What pulls you from your spiritual grounding? For some of us, there's only one way to find out, to start stripping it down. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to take the next week or two. This is not forever, but I want you to disrupt your life. I want you to fast from something. If you want to fast from food, the way that I would suggest you do that is once or twice over the next two weeks, I want you to skip one meal, probably breakfast or lunch, and I want you to take the time that you would have spent in that meal, and I want you to take it in prayer. That could mean anything. That could mean journaling. That could mean reading the Bible. That could mean um, talking with a friend about God. But I want you to take that time, that energy, and observe what happens. How do you feel when you're hungry? Can it prompt you to talk to God about it? How do you feel if you connect to other people about it? Can someone else do this with you? Can you be in it together? Remove something from your life, just that one meal, once in a week. Take it to community and take it to God. Other ways to fast. Social media is a great one. A lot of people go on social media breaks. Sometimes we do that for one another. So my partner and I, um, in our better moments, will say, hey, we want to spend a few hours of uninterrupted time together. Let's do a media blackout. If we can do that for the people we love, if we can set down our social media for a dinner or a drink with friends, what would it be like to do that for God? To say, hey, I want to train myself to be more attuned to God than I am to my feed. And so I'm going to practice by just eliminating that feed for a day, for a week. What is something that you can cut out? Is your clothing the thing that takes energy from you? When I stripped down to seven clothing items, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal for me. And in some ways it wasn't. I'm like, a, I love to put on the same outfit every day. This is great. But in other ways, it made me notice how much I do think about how I'm perceived. For me, a lot of that has to do with gender. So I was like, oh, how are people understanding my gender based on what I'm wearing? And I noticed when I went with hesitation to certain meetings or, or to see certain people, like, oh, this is taking up space in my life. And actually, 
I want to get right with God about it. I noticed from eliminating some foods that I was eating, not all of them, that I wasn't depending on God. That I wanted to pray, God, give me today my daily bread. And I found myself at the end of those days saying, God, thank you for your abundance. Run this like an experiment. This is what we're going to be doing for the next couple of months together, running experiments, doing exercises, just trying to find our way to God in different corners of our life that are unexpected. And so, I want to invite you to just think about it. By the end of the service, as you walk out those doors, I want you to know one thing that you can set aside, a meal a week, one social media platform, maybe a show that you've been binging. And I want you to set it aside just for a week, or like I said, two if you're ambitious, and see what comes up for you between you and God. If that doesn't feel like something you're ready for, then all I ask you to do is think about why and take that to God. Will you join me in prayer? God of all creation, you want good and holy things for us. You want us to be filled and fulfilled. And yet, God, we find our shallow fulfillment more often than our true fulfillment in you. God, we pray that you would help us to eliminate some distraction in this next week. And that in the space of that distraction, your love would show up louder and brighter than before. God, we pray that you would set our hearts right, that you would bring with us the right intention, the right focus as we approach our fast. And God, if we are not ready to fast, we pray that you would draw our attention to why. Not feeling shame or guilt about it, but curiosity. God, we pray that you would reveal your goodness, your life, your light to us. And that in all of that, you would anchor us more and more in your love, training us, not expecting us to try, but expecting us to grow into the people you have created us to be. Amen. I'm going to ask that you all uh, stand again, either in body or spirit, as we continue to sing um, in that same vein of trusting God and finding more that we want more and more of him in our